Dennis, weeds you're going to talk about today. I'm going now, to talk about weeds, Jane. seems a little unusual. Oh, well, it, it sounds unusual, but I think there's another perspective on it. We'll have a good time today looking at weeds in medicine. You're talking about weeds today mm. and how they're associated with complementary medicine. Now, what made you bring this topic up? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that, Jane. Look, I had an interesting experience yesterday in practice. I'd been seeing a, a lady for some time who, uh, an elderly lady with a very, very severe, long-standing chronic cough. And coughs are difficult uh, to resolve, particularly uh, chronic coughs that have been lingering for many years. And uh, this dear lady had been in that situation and uh, having great trouble not being able to sleep at night. The cough was really ruining her life and had ruined it for some time. Um, I uh, was happy to treat the lady, but interestingly, one of the herbs that I used, and I use it frequently, was a herb called white whorehound. Now, many listeners may know of whorehound. It's a wayside weed. Um, It grows all over the place. In fact, it's interesting, Jane. I was in Western Australia years ago doing a lecture tour for a well-known company, and I was being interviewed on on, on radio. And during that, I started talking about the benefits of of this particular herb, white whorehound. And very quickly, a very irate uh, bureaucrat, he may well have been a minister of the government, got on the on the phone and, and blasted me for encouraging the, the propagation of weeds. How dare you do that? Well, of course, I wasn't promoting it. All I was saying was that white whorehound is a remarkable remedy and has always been used in herbal medicine as a favourite remedy to address cough conditions. And I prescribed it for this dear lady in a formulation uh, and the, the mixture was accompanied, of course, as you would expect, by good quality honey. Well, one had a joyful experience in as much that the treatment was so successful that um, under ordinary circumstances I probably would have been kissed. But the it, it, it blew me away and I thought, I've got to talk about weeds today because here's a wayside herb, a weed, uh, a, a, a weed or a herb that is not always um, encouraged uh, to be grown or used because it can grow fairly prolifically. But yet, but yet, a remarkable remedy, probably not as well known as what it was when I first started practice, but a well-known remedy, very safe, a weed which converted into a medicinal form is a remarkable remedy for addressing chronic coughs. And I emphasise that chronic coughs because coughs, uh, need to be uh, understood as to where they're coming from. If a cough's associated with an infection or something like that, it obviously needs to be medically managed and investigated. But you have many people, Jane, who have long-standing chronic irritable coughs. And in this situation, uh, white whorehound, this weed, uh, for which I was abused years ago, still works wonderfully, particularly in conjunction with Remarkable Honey. So I thought I've got to mention that to listeners. So what I did this morning before I came, I went to my library and was fortunately able to find a lovely little book by a great English lady, Audrey Hatfield, How to Enjoy Your Weeds. I think it's still available, and if listeners could get hold of it, they will understand my enthusiasm for weeds because this delightful English lady, she's passed on now, I would expect, um, goes through and looks at some of the herbs 
some of these weeds and how they're used both as medicines and also, interestingly, as I hope to get on to it, interestingly, some of them also are edible and can be used as part of a salad or, or, or a pot herb cooked as a vegetable. But with white whorehound, there we go, there's a remedy <laughs> in conjunction with honey needs to be looked at for those people out there who've got terrible coughs. Talking about weeds, Dennis, now, white whorehound, it's mm. prolific, uh, how does it work, actually, in stopping a well, chronic that's, cough? That's a very sensible question, um, Jade. And I think uh, when we make claims uh, about our herbs, it's correct and right to be able to give an explanation to justify our enthusiasm for using them in medicine. When we talk about uh, substances like uh, white whorehound having an ability uh, to control coughs, we're talking about substances that have chemical constituents in them known as phytochemicals, and in the case of white whorehound, it's a member of a group of herbs that are known as antitusives. That's a technical term, and any medico or pharmacist would obviously understand it much better than a lay person, but within many natural substances, there are chemical constituents which interfere beneficially with the coughing mechanism. And so white whorehound has an understandable antitusive chemistry which justifies its traditional uh, role, and it is a traditional role, as being one of a group of useful herbs to subdue coughing. A lot of listeners might be surprised to know that um, it's not that long ago that uh, the, the, the herb wild cherry bark was used as a popular prescribed uh, medication by uh, older pharmacists, and it's uh, called up in some of the older editions of the British Pharmacopoeia, wild cherry bark. I prescribe it frequently with, with white whorehound. It also is technically known as an antitusive agent. That is, it has chemical constituents which interfere beneficially with, with the coughing mechanism. Now, the other thing, of course, here is that with, with many of these herbs, the, um, uh, the introduction or the usage of, of honey... Uh, is a remarkably uh, useful agent. Honey has honey does so much. It does indeed. It it, it has uh, well on the throat. It's known as a demulsant. That's a technical term, and I don't want to be too technical. But whereas white whorehound and other weeds or herbs uh, have chemical constituents that actually abort the coughing mechanism, with uh, honey, it's soothing demulsant effect on on the throat, the larynx further encourages a quietening down of the cough mechanism. You put the two together, uh, a good natural honey uh, product, and in the case of this dear lady, I suggested uh, that particularly her nighttime uh, medication, the whorehound medication, be supported by at least a tablespoonful of honey. And she, she was very enthusiastic about the way in which the honey was so soothing on the throat that uh, it contributed significantly also to overcoming this. And that needs to be appreciated as something as simple as honey taken regularly with a, with a throat condition or a cough condition can be a useful ameliorating agent to help our, our body, our immune systems, get over an episode like a cold or a flu. So don't forget that. Uh, weeds such as whorehound, <laughs> particularly when taken in conjunction with magnificent honey, 
great way to address cough situations. So so often a cough does hang on after you've had an infection Very like much a so. cold. Very um, much so. And it just keeps going and it keeps does. going. And, and in fact, my experience has been that uh, many people that present with uh, chronic coughs that frequently had started with a nasty episode, uh, an infection which was well treated medically, but um, for some reason the, the cough, the irritability uh, factor remains and they then develop this chronic ongoing cough condition which in many cases fails to respond uh, to what the mainstream offers. And the mainstream has some magnificent remedies, don't get me wrong, but the beautiful thing about complementary medicine, Jane, is that it is still represented by, by remedies that have a tradition of benefit which could be utilised when conditions are not responsive to the mainstream medical approach. And I think that's the point that I've always emphasised on this program, that complementary medicine is not in competition. There'll be no one who is a greater supporter of mainstream medicine than myself, but complementary medicine is there as a, 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 a system that is to be drawn on. When nothing else is working or nothing else is helping, there's the traditional spectrum of herbs that have shown an ability frequently to address that problem. Mm. This is health naturally. We're going to look at some more weeds, we aren't are, we? We are. <laughs> We're not just, not just going to stick at whorehound because not all of us have, have got coughs, but, but some of the other herbs have fascinating possibilities. It is health naturally. Dennis Stewart, we are looking at weeds today and different weeds, apart from whorehound, white whorehound. <laughs> apart from whorehound. It's, a, it's an interesting topic and it's, it's very warm to my heart because when I talk about uh, weeds, I go back to the very beginning of my uh, teaching career when I used to take um, students, not just students, interested people from various uh, areas on field excursions and uh, I started doing that as a result of a, a dear doctor in Sydney that I owe a lot to I won't mention his name he'd be passed away by now but like so many uh, doctors was interested in natural medicine he knew I was and he nurtured me and he encouraged me to start to take people out on field excursions to uh, identify some of these weeds and the first one I ever did was round what used to be the uh, shunting yards at, at Gosford in the days when uh, sheep and other things used to be uh, moved around by train and there used to be a lot of weeds growing around <laughs> Gosford Railway Station and that was the first excursion I ever did and I did it in conjunction with this lovely little book How to Enjoy Your Weeds. So it's something that's very warm to my heart to be able to talk about weeds but there are so many of them um, and in such a limited time, I've restricted a little bit. But look, uh, one uh, one um, one uh, herb that had a lot to do in developing uh, my reputation as a formulator of herbal products was, of course, the uh, the chickweed. And, and chickweed, uh, the chickweed. Is, it grows prolifically. It too, does indeed. It? And look, it still is a very underrated uh, herb. Chickweed stellaria. Uh, is its botanical name, and uh, I had a lot to do with chickweed in as much that uh, one of my uh, graduates, uh, dear Robin from um, from um, Gosford, she had a property at Carrington Road. She and I uh, started manufacturing 
an ointment based on chickweed and it took off like wildfire and that that ointment is still in existence albeit it is owned by 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 a company now um but chickweed we found was one of the most remarkable remedies for addressing itchy skin conditions and uh, so it took off because there are a lot of people with uh, with itchy skin conditions and dear robert and myself used to collect chickweed which by the way listeners should start to show its face again it likes to come come out in 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 cooler weather uh also if you're not familiar with chickweed uh you need to to have it identified because there are some herbs that look a little bit like it uh, chickweed has a, an ovate leaf and a tiny little white flower it clings to the ground beautifully uh, light green in color our canaries our rabbits all those things, um, they love them. I can vouch for that. I used to breed gullions, and they would almost jump out the cage when they saw me coming with, uh, with chickweed. Chickweed is not only useful as a remarkable remedy for, for eczemas and itch conditions, either as a lotion or as a cream, but it can also be used in salads. And this is what I wanted to mention today, that many of these things that we call weeds are in fact also foods and have a tradition of being used as foods, and chickweed particularly has a reputation of being used as an appendage in a green salad, and where, where it's a very, very pleasant addition to some of our better-known uh, salad vegetables. So there's another example of a wayside weed <laughs> starting to emerge now uh, with multiple benefits, not only for us but for our pets and birds and things like that, but uh, also a very useful little remedy, not to pull out and throw away, but in fact to encourage and use it sensibly once you have identified it by using it on salads. Excellent idea. There's a second herb. A second herb. We've uh, got a couple of callers who've rung in. Jean rang in from Mayfield. She's not with us at the moment. Uh, But she was wondering about, uh, in, in regard to oat bran, reducing cholesterol, she'd like to know how much she should be taking each day. Oh, look, Jean, oat oat bran is is essentially a food, so one doesn't necessarily have to, uh, you know, reduce it down to a specific dosage. Um, I would say something like a dessert spoonful or a tablespoonful of oat bran. Uh, I would see that as being a useful uh, way of taking a substance that has a reputation of helping cholesterol levels come down, particularly some of the milder cholesterol levels. Now, let me just say also that there are products in our pharmacies, uh, which are packaged products, if you like, uh, in a finished form. That is, some of them will have uh, the oat bran uh, product in, in little satchels, where the instruction might be to take one or two satchels per day. So any concern about how much to take can be overcome somewhat in some of the finished products in our pharmacy or our health food store. But one doesn't have to take a sophisticated uh, preparation. One can just purchase oat bran and use it in a, in a dosage, of, say a dessert spoonful to a, a tablespoonful, uh, taken regularly, and I've proved this in my practice, taken regularly, there, it is an indisputable way of reducing milder levels of cholesterol. Now, that needs to be emphasised. We're not talking here 
about those levels that necessarily need to be managed uh, with, with medication. We're looking at elevated cholesterol levels where the, the, the good doctor said, look, your cholesterol level is up. Technically speaking, you, you should consider going on to medication, but uh, try dietary change, try some of the alternatives, see if they all bring it down to that point, around about 5.2 to 5.5. If we can achieve that, that'll save you drifting towards the statins. Very frequently, I've shown that's capable of being done. And so in this dear lady's case, I would be recommending, say, a dessert spoonful to a tablespoonful, but it has to be taken regularly. It's not just something that one uses occasionally. If one is going to go down the pathway of using a food such as this to address a common problem, one must see, take it in a disciplined way in the same way that one would take a medication in a disciplined way. And, of course, it's so easy to pop it on top of your muesli, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well. Very, very, that's a very good comment. It's, it's a very good uh, a supplement to a muesli. Uh, and, uh, yes, it, it has multiple benefits. Now, Yvonne's rung in from Adamstown Heights. Yvonne, um, onion remedy, what was your question? Uh, I heard uh, uh, Dennis talk about it last yeah. week, and I think he, yeah. he said he put sugar on it when yeah. he, he sliced it thinly. Yes. But I couldn't remember if you put a bit of water on it to cook it no, or look, to I'll, make I'll, the juice. I'll, I'll tell you how, how to go about this, Yvonne. It was a, I explained last week to, to listeners it was a preparation that I got from an older uh, text. I think it was a text written by Swinburne Clymer, a well-known medical doctor in the U.S., who uh, who was a great exponent of uh, American medicine. But in that book, he did have a little treatment based on raw onion, which he recommended as a useful remedy to try uh, for uh, addressing uh, coughs, particularly in kids. And, and the method was, is straightforward. Um, that's just taking a raw onion, and, and it's best to use a brown onion or a white onion that's very strong, the... the uh, the Spanish onion or the red onion doesn't have the same degree of pungency that one gets in a white or a brown onion. Having said that, what one does then is peel the onion and then slice it into, say, half the onion, slice it and put it into a bowl, say a breakfast bowl, and then just cover it with, with, with sugar, white sugar, brown sugar, it doesn't matter, and leave it there for quite some time, maybe six to eight hours and at the end of that you'll come back and you'll see that there is in fact a syrup in the bowl and then one would pour that syrup from the bowl Uh, one would strain it uh, one would keep it and we used to uh, doctor our kids up with say a teaspoonful a couple of times a day uh, sometimes a bit more than that interestingly uh, it is not obnoxious and the the sugar obviously turning it into a syrup, um, makes it in some ways very palatable. I know that sounds strange, but it was never really rejected by our kids, and I've known plenty of parents and others that I've mentioned this to that have found, in fact, that the, the, onion, the onion syrup is acceptable in teaspoonful dosages. And the other thing that I mentioned last week in response to a, a listener uh, raising this or mentioning this uh, my wife always used the other half of the onion, sliced, to leave in an appropriate uh, place in our kids' bedroom. 
or our children's bedrooms. Uh, we had too many children, I think, but we had a, a bowl Enough of onions. <laughs> and and in 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 the morning, it was interesting. The the onion would have shriveled up, would have become discoloured, and our rationale is that the the onion we believed contributed to almost a sanitising effect mm. in the kids' rooms because little v- vapour, droplets of, of uh, onion constituents, essentially, um, in my opinion, would have uh, moved into the atmosphere and contributed to a, a more sanitised environment. So the onion, both for the cough and also put in the kids' room, uh, that's all we ever treated uh, our kids' coughs with. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's a pleasure, Yvonne. And thank you for your call, Yvonne. Now, Bob uh, has rung in from Adamstown Heights. Now, you're wondering about a herbal alternative for hair loss. Yeah, hello. Hello, Bob. How are you? Oh, g'day, Dennis. Good, thanks. Cool. Um, I, I take uh, finasteride. Yes, yes. No, it will. And, and I... I um, Oh, who wants to go to a doctor's surgery or a pharmacist at the moment? I'm wondering if you have a a, a, a good alternative to that uh, on the herbal shelf. If there were, I'd be I'd be uh, patenting it and, and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and using it myself. So, okay. <laughs> unfortunately, Bob, I'm still waiting for that big breakthrough because I'd be a multimillionaire rather than a poor practicing herbalist. But as, okay, as, as far as I'm aware, there there is nothing in, oh, oh, in that... herbal medicine. But look, people talk about uh, rosemary shampoos and things like that, and there's all that in the literature. But yeah. I've uh, I've never seen any uh, great uh, result associated with serious hair loss being yeah. being reversed. Um, by by natural medication, I oh. think I think you're probably on the best medication. Okay, I vaguely recall you mentioning one. Uh, it was probably to do with prostate health. But oh I, yeah, okay. You're you're talking about a uh, sore palmito, serenoa. That's, that's the one. I couldn't remember yeah. the name of it. Look, the, 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 I admit, even in some of the more reliable texts, there yes. is um, there is uh, mention that it may be useful. Um, yes. But I have used a lot of sore palmito, um, obviously for prostate conditions. I've never had any of the patients come back and say, look, you, you haven't fixed my prostate, but by gee, you fixed my hair. So, <laughs> I, I, so Alas. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Bob. <laughs> okay, then I'll have to just uh, put on the hazmat suit and go to the get a prescription then. Yeah. See you good GP. Yeah, excellent. Oh. Thanks for your call, Bob, and good luck. Uh, Peter now has rung in from Fassifern, and Peter, you've got a question about Astragalus 8. Hey, Peter. Oh, hi, Dennis. Good afternoon. Uh, a couple of years ago, you put me on or suggested I take Astragalus 8. I'd had Ross River virus. Oh, yes. and Yes. You were the only one who knew what was going on with it. And uh, you brought my immune system back to A1, plus other things I take with Good. your advice. Good. And um, to the point that uh, reading the Bible, of course, yes. foods to eat yes. uh, to, to, to avoid cancers. And uh, what's happening now, I've been taking one night and one morning for two years. Yes. I don't know whether that was necessary, yes. Yes. but have been. But of course, now I went to get some more online, and everybody in the world's panicked, and you can't buy extra garlic. So my 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 question to you is, 
Um, I've got quite a few left in, the, in my 120 bottle. Yes. I just take one a day. Is that going to do the same look, thing? Look, or? Peter, you've been on it a fair while. I, I think uh, you've probably been using it more of a, as a preventative substance. Sure. And it seems to have done you good. I wouldn't suggest it, that you accelerate dosage. Um, yeah. I think um, th- there is room... Uh, for acceleration of of a medication like astragalus, if there are symptoms requiring it, but I sure. think I think you've done pretty well, and I wouldn't suggest therefore that you push the dose up. And look, I can tell you, Peter, there'll be plenty of astragalus eight in tableted form uh, circulating. There's obviously been a, a run on it, but I know there's more in the pipeline. Just keep in touch with, oh, with, sure. with the health sure. food store. Yeah. The only thing I was, the only question it's I'm going down from two a day to one a day and that's 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 not a problem no no look I, I come back to the point you've done well on it on on, on um so far and yes. you're using other substances as well sure you 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 uh, vouch for a lot of what I have promoted on this program over the years that is the rationale of assisting our body to fight various pathologies by improving our resistance. If we use the term boosting immunity, okay, that might be a bit controversial controversial from a scientific or medical perspective, but certainly in improving our resistance is what we're talking about. And astragalus, in conjunction with what you're doing, has stood you in good stead. Just keep doing at a low dose. And on to a new RFM, Health Naturally is what you're listening to with Dennis Stewart. We're taking your calls, some of it's about weeds, which has been our topic today. Diane's rung in from Summerland Point. Diane, you've got a question or a comment about chickweed cream, speaking about weeds. Yes, I bought some chickweed cream for itchy skin, but the smell is something awful. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll explain what's, what's going on there, uh, Diane, what I think is going on. There were two uh, chickweed preparations that uh, Dear Robin and myself originally made probably 20 years ago. One of those was um, just pure chickweed in an ointment base. It was a light green colour and it was particularly useful on children, nappy rashes and mild chronic states of eczema. We also, however, developed a chickweed preparation that also incorporated some pine tar. Now, the pine tar was placed in it because pine tar is an exceedingly useful substance to address its conditions. And the whole chickweed uh, preparation concept was to develop an ointment or an ointment, uh, a couple of ointments, that would provide some relief for various forms of eczema. Now, we called the chickweed that had the pine tar in it, we called it chickweed compound. Right. Right. Now, it it was a grey-coloured preparation. So um, it would seem to me that the chickweed that you have purchased, uh, and please don't mention any brand names here, we're not into brand names, but it would seem to me that the chickweed that you are using um, would be what I would have called in the old days chickweed compound. And it, in my opinion, uh, should be used selectively and for the more itchy, uh, chronic uh, forms of eczema. Uh, uh, so I suspect you've got chickweed compound. Um, it's very dark green. Yeah, it is dark green? Yeah, and it smells. It smells. Okay. Well, <laughs> I would I would suspect 
that's a good chickweed preparation, but you're using the one with some pine tar in it, go back to your health food store or your pharmacy and uh, talk to them about getting the chickweed cream that hasn't got a tar preparation with it. Oh, okay then. Thanks very much for that. Okay, good, Diane. Thank you. Excellent. Um, and another Diane, this time from Curry Curry. Uh, hair loss. Of course, we've just been talking about hair loss, and you've got the answer, have you, Diane? I have. Good on you, Diane. Let me know. I'm ready. Well, I'm ready to I roll. I went and saw a specialist down in Newcastle because yes. I'm from Curry. Yes. And she said to me, you, "Yes, you're losing your hair." She said. Um, she looked at my medications and everything else, and she said, "I can't see anything there doing it." So she said, "Why don't you go to the chemist and buy some Regain?" Yes. And yes. she said, "You put it on your hair yes. every day." Yes. And um, my hair's grown back, Good. and I'm not losing any hair anymore. Good. Look, I know that preparation very well, as your pharmacist would. Oh, um, right, so, yeah. Um, there is an explanation for that. Um, it's a good preparation, um, but with all preparations, it might work for some. And, and not for others. And it might work better on male or it might no, work better on female. No, male and female. You can buy okay. male and female. Oh, there you go. Well, it's worthwhile giving a go. Yep. I think at this late stage of my life, Diane, I'll I'll probably go and see my makeup just just as I am. I might bump into you at the carry markets or something one day. Come up and let me have a look at the hair, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll be able to make a judgment on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. There's a challenge for you, Diane. Thanks for your call. And Lyndon uh, from Western. Um, oh, no, Lyndon's not there. Oh, hang on. Hel- no, Lyndon's definitely not there. Okay, so um, he's missed the recipe for chronic cough. Do you want so me just to mention that? Just quickly. mention that. I think he was probably um, t- uh, referring to what we talked about at the beginning of the program, where I was talking about a chronic cough that was resolved uh, with a... Uh, a white whorehound-based uh, cough syrup that was reinforced uh, by by using honey um, as an appendage to the syrup. Now, there are uh, plenty of uh, white whorehound or whorehound-based uh, cough syrups, um, medications around either at the pharmacy or certainly the health food store. It may be that the white whorehound um, would be also supported by other anti-tusive herbs in the formula, uh, that wouldn't detract from the benefit of white whorehound. It might accelerate its benefit. But again, um, white whorehound, a primary remedy in a cough preparation uh, that is reinforced by separate taking of good quality honey. Now, I think we've got George now on Warrabrook and George, a change of subject, mouth ulcers. Yes. I, um, David was speaking last week to someone who's regards mouth ulcers. I get them quite a bit because I take a medication for epilepsy. Okay. Therefore, oh, and I can't stop taking that one, but of it course. does. that's one of the side effects from it. I did call in to see a lady, but she had no idea what I was talking about. Okay. So can you tell me the name of it again, whatever yeah. it was that bloke took? The, the main um, treatment used in herbal medicine, uh, mainly to, to uh, treat the uh, currents of the ulcer is what's yep. called tincture of myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. 
Now, that is a, a, a readily available liquid a preparation which is diluted with a degree of water, and mm -hmm. that is used as a mouthwash and is a very, very strong uh, controller of, of, the, of the ulcer if and when it asserts itself. So you, you just use it when you got them? Yeah, and look, um, some people that have benefited from it uh, prefer to continue using it, albeit uh, not in a disciplined way, but maybe uh, using a mouthwash based on tincture of myrrh a couple of times a week just, yeah. to, just to keep the momentum of the treatment going. Oh, because I take lysine, and that seems that's helped quite a bit. Oh, and that was, you said that years yeah. ago. Lysine is a very well-known um, remedy that uh, has made its reputation for addressing a condition like this. But as far as, uh, how can I call it, a confident suppression of the yeah. ulcer, I don't know anything that is as useful as tincture of myrrh. Tincture of myrrh. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. Thank much you, appreciated. George. Good on you, George. Excellent. Okay, Thanks for your call, George. Look, we've just got a couple of minutes left and we've been talking about weeds. Is it actually uh, time just to wrap well, up? Well, I'll just, I'll just wind it up with a, a lovely little story. My dear father-in-law, who now has, has, has passed away, a great man, he was uh, uh, raised in the New England area, Armadale, Urala, Guyra, very cold country. And um, during the Depression, um, he basically did fencing to stay alive. And he told me on one occasion that um, one of the uh, favourite vegetables that they used to use, particularly when they're out uh, on their own, camping, fixing up um, fences, etc., was they would harvest the stinging nettle. And they would oh, yes. harvest the stingy devil. Another weed. And another weed. <laughs> uh, and look, a remark, oh, time's beaten us, but one could talk all day about the benefits of stinging nettle. But stinging nettle, collected carefully and, and boiled like spinach or any other vegetable, is an old fashioned, good old English uh, pot herb, which is rich in nutrients. And uh, my dear father in law used that. And in conjunction with another introduced weed known as fat hen. And we'll talk about fat hen on another occasion and we'll embarrass people who live in Melbourne by so doing. Oh, <laughs> are we looking forward to that? <laughs> but it's interesting that in yeah. England a lot of people make their homemade wines or used to make yeah. their homemade wines and stinging nettle was always in Audrey, one of In Audrey Hatfield's wonderful little book, yep. How to Enjoy Your Weeds, yes. this dear, lovely lady has a formula for making uh, nettle beer oh. and nettle wine. Oh, How about that? Maybe <laughs> next up. Okay, thank you. That's Health Naturally for today. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.